This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Arts Cast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Komikaela Naimen Toku Ingoa. My name is Michaela Naiman and I'm your host. Welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theatre, pottery, poetry, sculpture and how the creative arts contribute to our community, as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Artscast is generously supported by the Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Center. Stay tuned to find out more. Welcome to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Radio Access uh, on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and I'm your host today. The Sugarloafing Artscast is sponsored by Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Center. And with me in the studio today, I have Andrea Connor, an artist with multiple strings on her creative bow. And during the month of October, she has been at Jane's Gallery in New Plymouth, working on her bone carvings and showcasing her large paintings that are both poured and carved by the looks of it. Welcome, Andrea. Oh, thank you. Can you tell me a bit about your uh, art practice? My art is- practice? Um, That's a very broad question. Uh, I guess most of my work is based around um, how I feel about looking after the world and nature, which sounds a bit twee, you know. (laughs) I think every artist says they're looking after nature or something along those lines. Um, But it's something that I've always sort of felt deeply about and and, um, my way of conveying that is by looking at the patterns that nature provides and mm. um, analysing them and dissecting them and, and perhaps putting my own spin on them and turning them into something different, hopefully. Oh, mm. and they are, they are very different. <laughs> uh, and uh, pattern is definitely something you're into, I can yes. tell. So when did you start making art? Like, can you pinpoint a time... Uh, in I your was life, probably about four or five, um, consciously anyway. I'm sure before that there was some painting on the walls that shouldn't have happened, or something like that. But consciously, yes. So I've never really stopped. I'm from an artistic family. My mum was a potter, and um, she always encouraged both my sister and I to get out there and draw and paint, and provided the materials for us to do so. And yeah, and I just carried on. Lovely. And so what were your first uh, works of art and when you started to get into it more uh, as an artist? What what kind of practice was that? Was that painting or was it sculpture? Um, sculpture is relatively new for me um, in the grand scheme of things. I think painting and drawing is was the main things. And generally, you know, as most artists when they begin... Um, mimicking or trying to convey what's in front of them, so scenery and um, still life and those sort of things. I didn't sort of branch out into 
the semi-abstract style that I've got now until I've, I've well and truly got my grounding and decided how the direction I was going. It's organic though, you don't have a, mm. an epiphany or anything. Well, I didn't, it just sort of happened, yeah. No, absolutely. So you did your graduate exhibition in 2009, I believe. Yes, that'd be right, yes. And was that with, uh, with wit? It, yes. Mm. And then when you went on to participate in the Te Kupanga Stone Sculpture Symposium the year after. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. very gutsy, I have yeah. to say. <laughs> well, I had been sculpting for a f- couple of years prior to that, so I wasn't new with stone sculpture at the, at the symposium, but I was new in a symposium, so it was um, yeah, it was just a continuation of, of what I'd been doing over the last three or four years at WIT, um, and it was a really good way of sort of just pushing myself a little bit more um, which Mm. and taking that leap uh, out from you know being a student and then suddenly having to do the real thing (laughs) exactly yeah sort of taking your clothes off in public it feels like (laughs) when you're exposing yourself like that Mm. because you are out there on the foreshore for three weeks in the wind rain and snow well, it feels like snow some days, um, but mainly sun. And um, yes, and, and public coming along and making their comments. You know, oh, don't like that, or what's that, or stuff. You know, you mm. have to develop a reasonably thick skin mm. after a little while. Really, mm. I've oh, always not, felt usually it's... not negative comments, but you know, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can overhear yes. what people say as well. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. Although I think the Te Kupinga Stone Symposium is such a joyous occasion. It is. Yeah. Yes, it's a great thing mm. to be participant in. And so how many years have you been uh, participating in the Stone Symposium? Well, then? I tried to do a count-up the other day. I think there's about five or six symposiums wow. I've been involved in since 2010. Mm. Um, yeah, pretty much every every symposium. Mm. Because they're biannual. Other than, yeah, yeah, other than last year because there wasn't one. Um, but we're having one this year, in fact, this summer coming, oh. 2023 summer. But I won't be participating through various reasons, but hopefully the next time I will be. Oh. And they usually start in December or? Start around New Year. It's a mm. sort of a fluid time. We try to make it um, even weeks. So if New Year's Day, for instance, is on Monday, we wouldn't start then. We'd start on the nearest Saturday, yep. basically. Mm. Mm. Oh, fabulous. So you said that you had been uh, uh, making sculptures for some time before Mm. that. What kind of sculptures? Were they on the scale and was it stone? Yes, I started straight into andesite. I didn't have any um, nannying around with with anything (laughs) else. Not even the soft omaru? No. no. Oh. So I haven't... Interesting. I think I've only ever sculpted one little piece of omaru stone a few years prior to joining Tikapinga, um, when I wasn't even in at home, I was on a holiday somewhere and um, had a little play. But yeah, the, the main main sculpting's been with andesite and tools and noise and dust. And yes, the noise and stuff. dust. Yes. Mm. So you have never done the old chisel and uh, you know with the hand tools. No, oh, with wood a little bit, but not with stone, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you do a little bit with stone. There is, it's not all angle grinders and diamond edge <laughs> stuff, but, you know, the majority of it, the, the big getting rid of the big stuff is definitely using mm. what tools there are available now. Mm. Mm. So 
How do you plan a three-dimensional work like that? Um, I have always been able to see something in a 3D form when I'm planning it, but I do draw a lot, obsessively, some people might say, but I, I have, if I've got an idea, I have to get it down so that I can see whether, you know, what I've got on my head and what, in actuality, it whether they match and whether I'm going to enjoy looking at them and working on them and obviously other people might enjoy too so yeah so um, plan I just basically draw Mm. and draw and draw and draw a bit more Mm. Um, and is that mostly abstract too abstract um, my work mm, in stone generally yes yes I've done a couple of sort of semi realist things but generally it's more shapes and movement and Mm. line and things like that Mm. yeah beautiful and uh, when uh, you get um, do you get to select the stone I've always wondered or are you given a block and then you know no we're not given it so on the first day we have the welcoming the pofari and then um, we are as artists allowed to go and select from all of the stones that have been delivered to site this is for a symposium Mm. anyway um, and collect and then decide which one we want usually you've got an idea in your mind what you want to do on that stone so you you choose according to shape, size or um, colour, sometimes people choose the colour of a stone and then um, transport it to where you start at work and Away you go. Yes, mm. off you go into the dust. Yes. <laughs> but uh, is there any, are there any pitfalls with the, have you chosen the wrong stone ever? Oh, yes. Oh, really? I, I chose a stone one year that was so hard, it was not impossible to work because I did work it, but it was, it ate through blades, it nearly broke me. It was, you know, what I had in my mind for the stone just didn't work because it was just too hard but I got there oh wow yeah that's um, really interesting to hear does it contain sometimes cracks as well so y- that yes it, I have yeah. a couple like that but you you tend to work around it make a feature out of it rather than hide it or if you know you're nearly to the end of a work and you find discover something that's really bad then you can either um remedy it by pinning it and gluing pins in or um, just walk away (laughs) but I've never done that but I know other people who have yeah wow well that sounds like a huge task and we will come back and talk more but let's Mm. listen to Finn Razel Nature If all the butterflies spread their wings If all the treetops shed their leaves Well I will tell you one thing honey I will never let you go Tell you one thing, honey I will never let you go 
back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host Michaela Nyman. We are grateful for the support of uh, Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lennai Center for sponsoring this show. And with me in the studio today is Andrea Connor who um, is an amazing stone sculpturer but also bone sculpturer and painter and whatnot. Uh, you are doing so many different things. So you, uh, did the bone come before the stone? No. No, the bone is relatively new, a lot newer than um, the stone or painting obviously because I've been painting for a long time but um, bone was something I've always liked the idea of having a go at and you have spoken to Mike Brown. Mm, amazing. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, he was the beginning of my bones, bone um, journey. I went to one of, not the first 
symposium in Mokau, oh, but the really? second one um, that he ran up there and um, loved it. Just just dived in, had boots and all, and got into it. And yeah, there's I've still got a lot to learn. No art is ever fully understood or learnt, and I've always got lots to learn. But you know, bones especially is is still quite new for me. So I'm yeah. learning all the time. And um, you are currently at the um, uh, Jane's Gallery. That's right. And you're working on some of your bone I am, sculptures yes. there. Now, the, the reason I chose bone to do in the gallery is it's the quietest thing I do. <laughs> um, I could have taken a, even a small stone and like a, a necklace-type piece, but the noise would have driven Ross and Helen <laughs> and any visitors to distraction, um, possibly drink, um, <laughs> because it just goes on and on and on. So bones, I generally, you do use a Dremel occasionally, but a, you use a graver, which is like a very old um, old style tool, basically a chisel with a little handle and you sort of scrape away methodically, a bit like whittling, you know. Mm. Um, and so it's quite therapeutic and it's quiet. Mm. And I could have done some painting in there, but the style of painting I'm doing at the moment is, again, noisy when I'm doing the exciting bit, which is revealing the layers. So I couldn't do that one either. Hmm. Interesting. Yes, so let's move on to your paintings. Um, but I just have to ask, so the bone uh, that you're working on, is that mostly cow beef it's bone? It's beef bone, mm-hmm. yes. And you are doing pendants, but I also am. other kinds? Yeah. Uh, pendants mainly. I just I do a shape and then decide whether it would work hanging up or on a necklace or you know, it's more I do it for me and then if somebody else wants it, it's a bonus really. Yeah. <laughs> and there are some gorgeous ones on display at Jane's Gallery Thank at you. the moment. <laughs> so your art uh, that you have on display then in the gallery that you are not making there, but. Um, it's layers and layers of uh, paint. It is. Can you talk a bit about that? And is it poured or do you actually brush it, use a brush? It, it's not poured, but it's close to being poured. So each piece probably has about 30 layers of individual layers of paint. But within each layer, there's probably four or five colours. Um, I place them randomly, but it's really hard to be random. Um, it, it's actually quite a challenge to not get a pattern mm, that em- is emerging, and e- even when you're just layering paint onto it on, on top of itself. So, um, yes, yeah, so it's it's a process within itself. So usually I will start knowing what I'm going to end up with as far as what I, what my image will be that I cut into it. Really? So I, from the of, start? Yeah, sort of. So, so I have an idea that, you know, this one needs bright colours and that one needs um, more sh- more subtle colours or whatever. It doesn't always work, and I often place the colours in the wrong place when I start cutting. But you know, it's um, it's it's a process, mm. and every layer is at least a couple of days placing it up, putting it on the board, and then allowing it to dry and and um, harden enough for the next layer so you know if in an ideal world it would take me a couple of months at 
least to get the layers laid down before I started working on the top. Fantastic. But, uh, yeah, it's often a lot longer because the weather mm-hmm. intervenes and time isn't always available. Mm. That is so true. So let's take another break here. And uh, this time you wanted to, you have selected Tess Goodwin. I have. And yes. we are going to hear Dressed Light. You're dressed like on a summer night Passing by your friend You're covered by a distant light And I'm lost with you again Your secrets can be found In the way that you stare You should have told me You would unfold me Despite adding to my left You should have told me You would unfold me Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artcast, and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. I'm here today with Andrea Connor, who is um, talking about uh, stone sculpture, bone carvings, and uh, the artist uh, or the artwork she is uh, having at Jane's Gallery at the moment, which are huge uh, scale uh, acrylic paintings that are made in layers and then carved out and they are very intriguing these are not small paintings the biggest is about the size of our dining table (laughs) (laughs) it's actually I just measured it 
earlier it's two metres long and 700 wide so many dining tables are about that. <laughs> yes. yes and so um, you have uh, you have placed different layers of uh, acrylic paint and let it dry and then you are carving it out according to patterns but there's a gorgeous one with small fish as well mm. I really love that mm, and uh, coincidentally you. you have the same coloured scarf on too. I do. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole <clears throat> difficulty of randomly doing things so how did you come up with a fish painting for example okay so that's again a pattern or you know how small fish do that swirling swirly Mm. thing in the water it's always fascinated me that they all know when to change and zoom off in another direction and when I was sailing I'd watch them under the water sometimes doing that thing and and loving the the way they they moved and so that was my attempt at capturing some of that movement and light and life and joy, really, because they are. They, they look like they're having a great time swimming in those wonderful semi-random patterns. I'm, I'm sure there's great scientific reasons behind the way what they do, but that was what mine was, mm. just to, to enjoy them. Well, they are simply gorgeous. And so carving down into these layers and layers of paint, you can see the layers uh, in the painting but uh, they also make the small fish quite three-dimensional they oddly. do yes yeah. yeah and you have all these lovely pieces then of uh, carved out paint sitting on your desk there um, mm. it's almost like you have to pick them up and hold them in your hand yes. and feel them um, I've got some ideas of what to do with with the offcuts because every painting produces a different sort of offcut um, and I've got, dare I say it, buckets of them at home. Not big buckets, I have to say, but some of the big paintings do provi- provide quite a lot of offcuts. So you spend all this money buying the paint, spend all this time putting it on, then you cut it all off and you've got all this waste afterwards, and it wasn't going to be waste in my book. So I'm still mulling over a few ideas about how I'm going to use those and watch this space. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Is there any way of um, reversing the chemical process when it comes to paint that has dried? Like, can you um, use solvent, I guess, but that's not ideal. Acrylic paint you can. It's called nail varnish remover. Oh, yeah. Acetone. <laughs> yes. Um, and that will dissolve it. But it just I've tried playing with that, and it just makes a mucky no. mess. Yes. So. No, it doesn't yeah. become the same thing, does it? Yeah. Mm. So... These uh, big uh, works of art, uh, they are very patterned and you are very precise in some of them. I guess the one that really stood out for me was the fish, just because it um, didn't have the linear yes, you know, patterns that you have on the other paintings. But there are mountain ranges kind of subtly emerging from some of the big ones. Yes. And so tell, tell us a bit more about how you think about this pattern and nature and how the two interact. Yeah, so right from when I was studying at WIT, I was fascinated with the fact that a pattern that you might see on the sand when the, sun, when the tide goes out can be reproduced in both a tinier version, if you look closely enough, or in a really, really giant scale if you see um, aerial photographs of the Sahara Desert, for instance, mm. 
the same patterns are there. So it's like nature's repeating the pattern on all sorts of different scales. Um, mountain ranges are the same sort of thing, you know, mm. you can see the mountain ranges. That's a sort of Even in, in space. Yes, mm. exactly. Yeah, so those patterns are there whether you want want to see them or not, and I just choose to show them and and um, celebrate the patterns, really. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. On that note, um, we are going to actually um, play a, a um, song from Sweden. Uh, this is uh, Cornelis Reisvik, and he was a Dutch-born Swedish uh, singer-songwriter, poet and actor, and he emigrated to Sweden with his parents at the age of 12. And he died at 50, but he um, was very good at kind of um, taking the downtrodden side and the workers. Uh, and here is Somliga Gård med Trasiga Skor of Cornelis Reisvik. Somliga går med trasiga skor Säg vad beror det på Gudfader som i himmelen bor Kanske vill ha det så Gudfader som i himmelen bor Blundar och sover söt Vem bryr sig om ett par trasiga skor När man är gammal och trött Vem bryr sig om hur dagarna går De vandrar som de vill Medborgare om ett hundra år Finns du ej längre till ansikte kvar dold i min älsklingsår Jag är en tvivelaktig figur Duger ej mycket till Bakom ett hörn står döden på lur Han tar mig när han vill Somliga går Trasiga skor Tills de har slutat gå Djävulen som i helvetet bor Får sig ett gott skratt då
Welcome back. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. We are grateful for the sponsorship of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Landlai Centre. And I'm here today with uh, Andrea Connor, who is uh, this month's uh, artist at Jane's Gallery in New Plymouth, where she's showcasing her bone carvings and uh, large uh, acrylic paintings that use uh, all her skills of uh, both painting and uh, carving. So is this, um, are you happy with the, with these? Uh, or, or are they evolving? Or oh, definitely they're evol- evolving. I started experimenting with the cut- cutouts probably mm, 10 years ago, but I didn't take it too far. I just got diverted with other things and and since I've got back into it and, and really started doing it more, um, I'm already seeing other ways and different things I can do. And so it's, it's like any art. If it's static, you're not growing. Absolutely. And your work starts to look a bit boring, I think. Um, or you might get bored <laughs> doing <laughs> or, it. Or I could get bored, yes. So there's all sorts of reasons. I, th- I, I think it's important to just keep developing and, and seeing the possibilities of what else you can do or what you can do that's the same but slightly different, um, using even just changing colourways or or whatever. Um, yeah, so mm. I can quite easily paint, uh, you know, the stock standard scene and I'm sure if I chose to, I could sell some, but that's not where my heart is. So no. I'll just go with the way yeah. I feel at the moment. It might change. Yeah. And uh, you have, um, have you always been drawn to the colours that you are using now? Because you have strong colours. Yeah. yeah. I've always been a colour girl. I mm. love colour. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And you were in uh, homework exhibitions as I well. Was, yes. uh, I think both in 2016 and 2020 or mm. 2021. Well, do you remember what uh, work you exhibited? The 2016 one was actually a little, little wood carving. Oh, really? Yeah, a little wood sculpture of a female torso. Um, I used some of the wood from the controversial cutting down of the was on the Wai- Waitara River. Oh. Um, and that was sort of... Yeah, I think I called it Mystery 25 or something. However many number the... the um, trees were. Trees mm. were, yes. And I like um, Pahutakawa too. I've got a, I did a series of paintings about Pahutakawa many years ago, so sort of my go-to tree and wood. And again, wood is something I haven't done much of. I've got all the gear and got all the ideas, but the time hasn't sort of helped. Mm, no. Yeah, so, and the one, um, the, the most recent homework exhibition was actually one of my cutout paintings that I restarted investigating. It's, it's at Jane's Gallery, in fact. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So do you think that it's, uh, for you as an artist, does it uh, work to work towards exhibitions? Do they serve as a prompt for you to develop new work? Definitely um, gives me an, a reason to create more. Um, if I was left to my own devices, I'd probably just have these wonderful ideas and and not push myself to do them because, you know, one, 
what am I going to do with 933 paintings? And two, um, it, it does cost, you know. Yes. You, you can't get away from it. Whatever you use, whatever materials you choose to use, there's a cost involved, whether it's the, the means of, of getting the paint on or cutting it out or just the actual paint itself, um, you can't escape. And if, unless you've got, hopefully, someone who's going to enjoy the paintings as much as you have by making them um, to, and pay the money accordingly, then you've got a, at least a, a chance of recouping enough money to start the process all over again. Mm. And do you stretch uh, your own canvases and make your own frames? Um, I have done, but um, these works are on board for the reason that they become very heavy and when I cut I need to push and the canvas has too much give. Mm. Probably the the first few were on canvas, in fact the the one that was in um, the last homework homework was Mm. on canvas. Um, That was called Denier, Denier, Planet on Fire. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And um, I... I quickly learnt that it's not, I mean, I could, it's doable, obviously, but it's not as easy to do and it's probably not as safe to do because very easy to cut through even 30 layers of paint and get to the bottom, whereas if you get to the bottom when it's the board, it's not as bad as making a hole in a canvas. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you have the colour of the wood then as yeah, well. Yeah, well, there's <laughs> ways and means around that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, we are going to take a um, short break. And uh, did you have another song that you were keen on? Um, Yes, it was uh, Tess Goodwin, Darkness Dances Around Us. Here's Tess. The night sky that loves to hide us Has fallen hard across the room Its darkness dances around us Holding me safe and still You've become a stranger I'm helpless too The darkness dances around us Moving me closer to you Your skin Sky that loves to hide 
Welcome back. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Arts Cast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. I'm Michaela Nyman and I'm your host. And I'm here today with Andrea Connor and we are talking about her large paintings um, that are yeah, a work of wonder, not only of painting but of sculpture and mm. of patterns and nature. And you've said that uh, it's actually the, what lies beneath the surface that interests you and that you're also interested in then how nature and art both kind of push beyond this uh, narrow surface and what we think we know yes. into something else. Yes. That sounds all like you're also into very much intuition and mystery. and Yeah, not, not so much the, the woo-woo spiritual side of things, but um, there's definitely more out there than we, we see and I think I touched on that when I spoke about the macro and micro of a pattern mm. for instance but there's also things um, <clears throat> working behind the scenes if you like it's like a river you know it might be all smooth on the top but there's all sorts of eddies and flows and what have you going on and underneath that, that the casual observer doesn't see so um, yeah I think you know, uh, not wanting to echo that, whatever ad that is, but life is a bit like a river, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess that uh, pleasure and joy, as you mentioned, is a yes. component of your work too. Oh, definitely joy. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not enjoying doing it, then I might as well not do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's got to be that fun element in art. I do teach um, a adult learn to. Um, beginners art class and I always say if they're not enjoying themselves then they're doing it wrong so mm, fantastic yeah. so where can people find you find me yes at, at, as an uh, artist but also as a teacher oh okay so um, I teach for um, se- seasons art class um, and we have classes up um, 14 week courses at Hillsborough Hall and um, <clears throat> out towards Egmont, up Egmont Road, um, 14 weeks a, ter- a time. So that's um, go. we go through pencil, pastel, watercolour and acrylics. And these are for, these, this is mainly for adult beginners, people who have either not done much art at all or have um, done some a long time ago. And I'm talking high school and they might be in their 70s now sort of thing, and they just want to reconnect with that, that art side of themselves. Um, so, yeah, we aim to teach the foundations of each of those mediums and give the students something to build on. In fact, the course that the, they, they do at the beginning is called a foundation course, so mm. that says everything. They certainly don't learn everything, but hopefully we give them a... Um, taster of what each medium can do and the possibilities of it they um, don't have to bring anything but themselves mm-hmm. it's all provided so that's um and then quite fun. the joy yes. yeah and then at the end of the course the last the 14th week in fact is our exhibition week and so they get to show what they've done and what they've learnt to all of their families and friends and um, celebrate what they've uh, achieved so that's mm-hmm. it's always exciting for me for me to see 
this group of people start nervous. In fact, quite often they come to class scared. And I don't know why, whether they've had bad experiences with art before or whatever, um, but by the time they leave, they're all happy and excited and can't wait for their whatever day it is their classes. And oh, sounds yeah. wonderful. Yeah. That is the best side of art. It and is. that's the way it should be for all of us. <laughs> it's a little bit like, um, yeah, what's it called? Meditating, but yeah. without the om. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has been wonderful talking to you, uh, Andrea, and you still didn't um, tell us where we can find you online. Oh, um, I'm not the best online person in the world, but I do have a Facebook page, Andrea Connor Art. So that's and reasonably easy to find. Yeah, and until the end of the month, you are at Jane's at Gallery. Jane's Gallery every morning. Yep. So pop yep. in and see Andrea's work. Mm. Thank you so much, and uh, thank good you for luck hosting me with whatever happens after this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sugarloafing Arts Cast on one hundred four point four FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com. You can check out the artists, guests and their fabulous work on our Sugarloafing Facebook page and Instagram. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com and search us up under current shows. The Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lai Center. Until next week. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand on air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.